Welcome to the Friends with Money podcast, brought to you by Money Magazine, creating financial freedom for Australians since 1999. Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Friends with Money podcast. My name is Tom Watson, a senior journalist here at Money Magazine, and it's great to be with you once again. When we think about our superannuation or any other managed investments we might have, most of us are, you know, understandably focused on the returns they generate. And we probably don't give much thought to the fund managers making those investment decisions. There's a case that more attention should be paid to those working behind the scenes and uh, pulling the strings, though, because the makeup of these teams and their diversification, including their gender composition, could be having an impact on investment performance. This is a topic today's guest, Money Magazine contributor Nicola Field, explored in depth in her latest cover story for the March edition of Money Magazine. And it's one that I found really interesting. So Nicola, welcome to the show and lovely to have you back on the pod. Hello, Tom. Thanks for having me back. You are very welcome. Um, To set the scene for us to start off with, Nicola, what proportion of investment managers and other leaders in the industry in Australia are women? Okay, well, it has to be said, brace yourself, because the figures are not really glowing. Um, If we look at the ASX 200, which is the top 200 publicly listed companies, only 14 have a female CEO. And that's only increased by four over the last six years. If we go expand things out a bit to the ASX 300, which is the top 300 publicly listed companies, only women only make up one third of board members. So there's a long way to go there. And bear in mind, the top 300 companies are subject to intense public scrutiny. So the further you go away from the big companies, the lower the representation of women on boards. But when it comes to investment managers, the figures really are nothing short of dismal. A study by the Financial Services Council found that on average, one in four of investment teams are women. But as you go further up the ladder, the ranks really start to thin out. So if you're looking at women who hold the title of portfolio manager, which is the person calling the shots basically about how our money is invested, you're looking at around Mm. 40 women in Australia. Now, to put that in perspective, there are about 12,000 managed funds in Australia because, of course, that includes our superannuation. So, yeah, the figures are not great. Uh, that's I. I got to say that's a lot lower than I would have expected, and my expectations weren't particularly high. So uh, there you go. But what I'm curious about is 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 what's caused this underrepresentation? Underrepresentation, I should say, historically. Well, there's a couple of factors. I mean, look, one has always been workplace flexibility, and the pandemic has really helped there. Actually, it's probably one of the positives to have come out of COVID is that companies Mm. are realising it is possible to work remotely and still be very productive. And that has helped the cause of women in the investment industry because they are still juggling their career with family commitments. But a lot of it lies in culture. And it was really interesting. One study by a university in Sydney actually spoke to women who held senior roles within the investment management industry 
And there was a real boys club mentality. That was a theme that was repeated, mm. even to the extent that things like team bonding exercises uh, included things like poker nights, which, you know, by any stretch of the imagination is not really a gender diverse activity. So I think culture is a big contributor to it. And of course, once you, once you, get that chicken and egg situation, you find that women who are coming through the junior ranks simply don't have the mentorship of, a, of more senior women. So the whole thing can be, kind of become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's exactly what I was about to say. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, <laughs> in your piece, Nicola, you, you write that, you know, for investors, the, the lack of female fund managers is a, uh, a diversification issue at its heart. So what do you actually mean by that? Yeah, it's really important to stress that this is not a feminist issue. For investors, this is a diversification issue. So let's have a look at what that mm. really means. We've known for well over 50 years that diversifying your portfolio across different assets and asset classes, it really works in your portfolio's favour. So you get the benefit of smoother volatility and better returns over the long term. But when it comes to gender diversity of the team who is managing your money, that's simply not happening. And that can affect your returns because men and women both bring different biases, perspectives and experience to the investment table. Yeah, that that's so interesting. And that's my next question. What do we actually, you know, know about how things like decision making and 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 risk appetite? How, how do those vary between female and and male investors? And 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 is there actually much of a difference between the cohorts? Yeah, there's been a lot of research done on this and it's really interesting. And look, you know, research always generalizes. There are always exceptions to the rule, of course. But as mm. an overarching rule, a lot of research has pointed to the fact that male investors tend to be quite aggressive. They often tend to turn over their investments quite rapidly, often to the detriment of their portfolio because they're racking up transaction costs and they will take more risks chasing higher returns. Women, on the other hand, tend to take more risks protecting their returns. They're more likely to take a buy and hold approach, a sure and steady approach, and they will do a lot more research into the investments that they select. And, and women certainly have the qualities to make extremely successful investors. Ah, that's, that's so interesting. I, I, know, I know you said this is, that's kind of generalized, but that's so interesting that there are notable differences there. I, 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 this flows into my next question as well, Nicholas. So, you, you kind of drove home the the importance of you know performance for most investors. I, I think we can agree that that's you know that's the key for most people. So yeah. you know, given that, is there any difference in how female investment managers perform compared to their male counterparts, or or, or how more diverse teams in the space perform? Yeah, there there actually is, and it is again, it's worth stressing that it's not about men being better than women or women being better than men. It's about mm. getting a diverse selection of viewpoints and bringing different opinions and perspectives to the table so that 
presumably there is more robust debate, better research that leads to better outcomes. But as evidence of the possibility that women can, in fact, be very successful portfolio managers, a study in the US last year looked at the performance of 70 different managed share funds. They were international share funds and any investor who was in the market last year will know it was a shocker of a year for global shares. (laughs) However, of the 70 different funds reviewed, uh, those led by women earned 3% higher returns. And yet across those 70 Mm. funds, only 14% were female-led. And then in, uh, if we look closer to home in Australia, Rainmaker have actually done some research on this, looking at superannuation funds. And they found that over rolling periods, so that was a fairly extensive study, female-led teams tended to generate about 0.6 of a percent higher returns than male-led teams. Now, you know, it's easy to say 0.6 of a percent is nothing, but this is your superannuation. You could have your money invested Mm. for 40 years or more. And over the long term, that outperformance can mean tens of thousands of dollars extra in your super on retirement. That's so interesting, and I, I love the uh, I love the data to back that up. Um, before we go, though, Nicola, I'm, I'm I'm curious to know, given the the scope of this piece, whether you had a a kind of a major takeaway from writing this, or, or whether there was anything that you know one of your interviewees said that uh, has really stuck with you. Yeah, look, the thing that really stood out to me is that it is very difficult to work out, not for every fund, but across a lot of managed funds. And again, this includes super funds. It can be really hard to find out who is on the portfolio team and the gender makeup of that portfolio team. Now, I suspect this is a sleeper issue. And I also suspect it's going to be up to the millennials who are the game changers of the moment, that as they get more money in their super, they're going to be a lot more interested in who is on their team. And as they press for more transparency, that's when we're going to see a lot more women come to those leadership positions of portfolio manager. I personally, I'm all for more transparency. Transparency, I should say. I think that's uh, that's something that we can all agree on. Would be interesting to see. So yeah, look, we live in a gender diverse world, so it's just really to me a bit antiquated that we're not seeing that gender diversity in the funds industry. Absolutely, and going back to your first uh, first figures, Nicola, I think um, that was a bit of a shock. So we can definitely (laughs) agree on that. Um, Listen, it's been a, uh, a pleasure chatting as always. So thank you so much for joining us today and uh, really looking forward to uh, having you back on the pod before too long. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks again, Tom. You are so welcome. And uh, don't forget that you can read Nicola's cover story uh, along with a, uh, a heap of other great articles, including from yours truly in our March edition of Money Magazine, which is out now. Before we go, just a reminder that uh, we'd also love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or even story ideas that you'd uh, love for us to explore. So to send something our way, make sure you use our dedicated email, which is podcast at moneymag.com.au. And if you love the show, you can help spread the word by sharing it or recommending it to your own friends and family. Or you can leave us a glowing review on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Both of those really 
really help us out. So uh, we're very grateful to all of you sharers and reviewers out there. Last of all, you can keep up to date with all the latest financial news and views on our website by heading over to moneybag.com.au. That's it for this episode of the Friends with Money podcast zone, but we'll be back in your feeds next week. I'm Tom Watson. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Friends with Money podcast. For credible, independent and easy to understand financial commentary, visit moneymag.com.au. Please remember that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are general in nature and further independent advice and research based on your personal circumstances should be sought before making an investment decision.